welcome to Date Night at the Movies. Or oh, how I spent my babysitter money, what, what? <laughs> I'm just... <laughs> oh, Jordan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I wasn't ready. That was the point. Spitzball. Um, hi, welcome to Date Night at the Movies. And this week, if you can't figure it out by now, we're talking Mary Poppins Returns. And I'm talking like this the whole time, what? <laughs> okay, and the, and the podcast. Good job. And we just ended the podcast. <laughs> uh, we're talking- I'm pretty sure Jessica's looking at me like, I married this. I know, it's such a disappointment. <laughs> uh, it's not the first time I've heard you say that either. So we're talking Mary Poppins Returns, starring Emily Bunt, Blunt and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Um, and uh, it is a rainy, wintry day here in Atlanta, Georgia. I believe we have to call it blustery, Govna. As blustery. Um, we're, we're having a jolly good time, and we saw this in a lively theater full of old people and young, and we had a really grand time. So, I think I was doing the Dick Van Dyke accent there. I'm pretty sure you just slipped into Sharon Osbourne. Oh, did I? <laughs> yeah. What a pretty papa. <laughs> I don't know. Any who's-alls. This um, may keep happening throughout this episode. I can't promise anything. I mean, I just recently learned Emily Blunt is British. Mm-hmm. Or is she Australian? She's, I'm pretty sure she's British. I just learned that Dick Van Dyke is not British. Shock. Right? Shock and all. <laughs> um, uh, well, I think if nothing else, you can see slash hear, because you can't see us, but you can hear that we are feeling lively, sprightly, and full of joy after seeing Mary Poppins Returns. Yes, although I'm now distracted because I just looked back at the Pro Tools session, and I'm really afraid that my Dick Van Dyke accent blew out the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) You did it kind of close, and you did it with a lot of gusto. You know what? I just went for it. Yeah. I believe they call it gumption. They They do call it gumption. Yes. And... As per every show, we have a drink of the podcast. Our drink of the podcast this week is just straight up British tea because... Well, we drink Irish breakfast. Irish, yes. But I mean, you know, depending on what part of Ireland you're in, it's a part of the kingdom. Touche. But yes, because this is the first time we've done a kids movie where it actually kind of felt weird to drink after it. (laughs) Well, I don't know. I, for me, um, I... There was no talking of a spoonful of sugar whatsoever. No. Um, but I wanted to drink with a spoonful of sugar in it for what it for what it's worth. I felt it was very apropos. Um, and I I just I this is the most British thing we have in our house. Right. Um, also because I can't have Guinness anymore. I know. I know. And that's such a bummer. It's such a bummer. But. Um, I don't know. This is kind of our feel-good drink. Mm-hmm. Um, we drink t- uh, tea. Um, I tend to like it a little bit more bitter. Jordan likes very milky tea. Yeah. To quote my family in Ireland, I like to have tea with my milk, basically. Yes. And I um, I like a little bit of sugar in mine, but I follow a series of unfortunate events, and I like my tea as bitter as wormwood. Well, there you go. Although I like sleepy time tea with some honey because that's bitter. Whenever I think of sleepy time tea, though, all I can think of is sinister now. Really? Yeah. 
You just rewatched that. I did just rewatch it. Oh, see, I so I have insomnia. So if you follow me on social media, you've probably caught some 3 a.m. Uh, posts. So the sleepy time tea with valerian root helps me immensely. Mm-hmm. But I hate licorice. Yeah. And I have to mask it a little bit. It's like la la la. So tea talk with Jordan and Jess. Oh, hi now. <laughs> I say I like myself a good spot of tea. <laughs> and biscuits, which we don't have biscuits. We do not have biscuits. Um, uh, nor strumpets, nor crumpets. Touche. Now we need to rate this movie. If you're still with us. Yeah, if we haven't lost you by now. <laughs> um, I would like to rate this in umbrellas. I kind of thought you were going to say that. You did. I did. Oh, spit spot. Um... If nothing else, I think you all should almost start guessing that we're going to give this a fairly high rating mm-hmm. because we're so silly right now. Yeah. And this has been a very kind of business businessy, get things done kind of day. So yeah. it's not like we've had a silly day. <gasps> we have a dog of the podcast. Yeah. Charlie just joined us. He wants to go outside. He doesn't realize it's raining down here just like it is upstairs. <laughs> he does. He's not going to like it. And I don't think I'm going to just let him no. go. Come here, buddy. Yeah, it has been it has been very much uh, get business done. Like we talked about in our uh, in our 2018 uh, wrap up, uh, Jess is about to be back and forth between the U.S. and Southeast Asia. So basically, we've just been banking episodes as much as we can, um, because, like I said, we may have to go on a little hiatus or you know find some platonic date nights things like I was that. Say, I don't think I don't think there's going to be a hiatus. Hiatus I think- isn't the right word, but we're not going to be as regular. So, um, I, don't, I disagree with you, well, sir. We'll, we'll Give see. yourself some credit. Well, also, I mean, I just don't know what's coming out that I actually really want to see. Oh, well, but it's also, we've got sag screeners coming in. And That's true. I'll, I'll have Janelle come down and do some podcasts with us. <laughs> um, I think movie time with Janelle will be very funny. Yeah. But, uh, but no, so like, you know, you're about to leave in like another day or so. And we we kind of were just like, okay, this is the last time we're going to take the time to do a movie and go down and do the podcast because we just got to get stuff done. And we want to like not just be hanging out in a quiet movie theater for the last day. Yes. So we decided to end on a good note. And we both kind of had the feeling that we were going to like this one. Yeah. Um, and the our friends that... Um, we've had, we've heard mixed reviews, um, but I've heard more good than bad. I have also heard more good than bad. The and first bad I heard was from, uh, Daniel Evans. Yeah. Oh, did we find out why he didn't like it? I don't think we, I don't think we got there. Uh, because I think he, we said that we hadn't seen it yet and he was like, all right, just, you know, let me know what yeah. you guys think. Um, but our good friends, Anthony and Mary, uh, Delonges, who are also Academy, uh, voters really loved it. Who else? Kelsey Walmer. Yeah, Kelsey Walmer saw it and she loved it. Um, and Kelsey Walmer is the queen of all things Disney and cosplay. Mm-hmm. And again, she's totally worth following on the socials. Yeah, Van uh, Kelsing. Van Kelsing. She's remarkable and incredibly witty. Yes. Um, so. And she's actually worked on like a lot of the movies that you guys have gone and seen because mm-hmm. you know. Not only is she an actress, she's a model, uh, she's a cosplayer, but she also works in VFX. And yeah. I don't think she does that anymore. But like, I know that she worked on a few Marvel movies. She was on Doctor Strange. She, yeah, she worked on uh, Guardians 2, I think. I think so. Uh, she worked on Suicide Squad. Uh, she actually was a previous stand-in for Harley Quinn, I believe. 
Oh wow! Uh, and um, and she also worked on Creed. I know that because some she just posted something online where she said some guy tried mansplaining a movie that she actually worked on because <laughs> apparently girls don't understand boxing. Heavens to Betsy! Yeah. So umbrellas. Yes. Oh, uh, you go first. Oh, my gut says four and a quarter. My gut says about. I'm I'm gonna go on the high end of my gut. I'm gonna say four. Okay. Yeah, I was going to do three and three quarters to four, but I mean, there's enough whimsy to it. I'm going to give it a four. Well, I think this is, I think that I have a high on the movie right now, so I'm going to give it a high rating. Mm -hmm. I'm sure by tomorrow it'll go down. Um, If I, when I start thinking about this movie, but I, I, I just, it kind of swept me away. And one of the ways that this movie prepared me for kind of an old school throw throw whatever you think this is going to be out the window and just mm-hmm. let it be whenever a movie starts with all of their credits in the beginning yeah it feels like i'm watching something on turner classic mm-hmm. i mean people don't do it that way anymore. no well because, Wait, and that's not necessarily a bad thing but no not necessarily but it was definitely in the style of an old movie and it told me hey put down your guard and just sit back and relax. Mm-hmm. And so I did I did enjoy that and I just thought Emily Blunt was dazzling. Oh yeah. I mean we and we've sang the praises of Emily Blunt a few times on this podcast. Yes. But I think that she was do I dare say it? What? Practically perfect in every way. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so why would you why did you give this a four? So overall I really loved it. Mm-hmm. Um I I thought she was great. I thought the kids were good. Um, I really liked Emily Mortimer as Jane, too. Oh, I did, too. Um, and not only is she just a really good actress anyway, uh, but she actually kind of looked like the child who played Jane in the original Mary Poppins. Uh, yeah. Um, so I really liked the cast. I really liked the fact that the story wasn't overly complicated, but it was enough of a story to be there. Um, where it went down a little bit, there's one sequence that I wasn't crazy about. Mm-hmm. Um, there were times where I didn't just love Lin-Manuel Miranda. But, Agreed. But there were times where I was like, oh God, this guy's perfect. Agreed. Well, I thought that for everyone throughout yeah. the movie. The only, the only people that I've never saw flaw in mm-hmm. were the children. Yeah. I thought they were just who they needed to be. Right. Um, but overall, I really liked it. There were also, there were two songs that were back to back that felt like the same song and that distracted me. Um, the Imagine That song where they're in the bathtub. Yes. Which I really loved and I was like, all right, I'm in it for this movie. Then they do the one where they go into the bowl and it's almost the same song. Gotcha. I'd have to. Yeah. That is one thing that is disappointing. I can't. I can't hear all the songs. Yeah, it, the song. I, I get that. Da, 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 da. Like I, yeah. like I got some of those. I got some melodies well, in my head, but I can't sing any of the songs. Well, and that melody uh, was for Imagine That. Okay. Uh, and they kept playing that as like the thematic melody throughout the movie. Like that was almost the theme of it. Yeah. But what really, where I really caught it was they did that song, then they would play the theme in between places. And then when they went in the next song, it was the, uh, it was about the Royal Music Hall. 
and except That's except right. for that really weird glottal like uh, music hall they had Mary Poppins do. Yeah, the, well, uh, that, but that it, and it repeated a few times. Yeah, like if, at first I thought we we're just gonna do it as a joke, and then it, <coughs> they kept doing it. And it's like, wow, this is not a thing Mary Poppins would do. But the melody and the rhythm of the song, and I want to say it was even in a very similar key as well. It, uh, uh, it was so because they played the theme between the two songs, and the two songs were so similar. It really stuck out to me. Okay. I can see that, and I, um, I, I, yeah, I don't, I can't really sing any of the songs off the top of my head. Um, now, I'm curious, and it's hard to not compare it to like, you know, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, right. or it, or feed the birds, or because the other problem is it's hard to say. Well, but I can hear all those songs of the first Mary Poppins so easily, but I also, as a 31-year-old woman, have had 31 years right. with this movie. So there have been 54 years between That's, the first movie and the second one. Oh my God, and Dick Van Dyke is still alive. Right. <coughs> um, I mean, Julie Andrews is too. Crazy. But, um, but, I mean, that is officially now the longest time between sequels in film history. Oh, well. Um, uh, but well, yeah, I mean, Jane and Michael look great, then, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, yeah, um, but that—that that is the thing is that like we can we can compare the two all throughout, but like you know, we've never known life without Mary Poppins, right? You know, our parents have barely known life without Mary Poppins. True, I mean, um, barely. Yeah. So, I'm- so, so it's hard. It's we. It's not really fair for us to judge and be like, you know, oh, they're just not as memorable. Maybe they need some more time. But I will say that there weren't any songs in this movie that hit me the way some of the movies, some of the songs of the original. I mean, did. also there was a part in this movie that they talk about tuppence, uh-huh. and I wanted that melody so badly. Yeah, I wanted feed the birds. I wanted the melody. I didn't want them to sing it. But I wanted the melody. My heart yearned for it, and they didn't give it to me. I, the one that I missed the most in this movie was Chim Chim Tree. Oh, because I love in the original Chim Chim Tree. That's a pretty melancholy song. Like not melancholy, but just like very, very much like you know, it's at a more serious point in the movie. Uh, yeah. that's that's right around the time whenever uh, in the original Dick Van Dyke is telling the children that his, that their father does love them. He's just under immense pressure. Oh God, that moment is so wonderful. But then played with that song and that melody and like the the really technicolor uh, color of the sky and you know the the silhouettes of the top of the rooftops of London. And then they also play that melody when Mr. Banks is just walking through the streets after he got fired. Yeah. There, there wasn't a moment like that in this movie, and I wish it would have had something like that. I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't believe this movie is going to be as timeless. No. Um, Especially whenever they shoehorned a Lin-Manuel Miranda rap in there. Yeah. Wasn't crazy about I that. I wasn't crazy about that either. Um, I, I, will, I will say I totally agree with you. The the there's a heartfelt moment where um, Mary Poppins is consoling the children, mm-hmm. and that song was beautiful. And I wish I could hear it more. I wish I could remember it more. I will say I do I I I do look forward to watching this again. Absolutely, yeah. Um, 
I look forward to our friends' kids being old enough to watch this with them, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would actually like to watch the two back-to-back sometime. I, You know, and I actually was thinking about kids growing up now get the wonderful joy of watching a lot of these whimsical movies and stories where these women come and save them that are like their mom and their grandma's age. Mm -hmm. So you've got Mary Poppins. Now you have Mary Poppins Returns. You've got Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Mm -hmm. And we've got Saving Mr. Banks. And these are all these women that get to see, that get to save the family. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. And I, I also feel changed um, in this household, we are huge Saving Mr. Banks fans. Right. Um, with Emma Thompson, who's my favorite actress, and Tom Hanks, who can do no wrong. Right. Have I talked on this podcast about my, about, we've, we've talked, we've talked about whenever we first saw it. I believe so. I've talked about how I kind of have to remove myself from certain parts of that movie, right? Yes. Okay, yeah. Um, but that's, I only bring that up again to illustrate that I, I have a hard time watching some scenes in those movies just because of like personal personal uh, PTSD, basically. But I still love that movie, and that is on regular rotation in our yes. house. Yes, and so it was interesting to watch this movie. One because of the standing power of why P.L. Traver- Travers wrote this, mm-hmm. wrote Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins save saves the family, saves the Banks family, um, and. However, I couldn't get out of the back of my mind how much P.O. Travers would have hated this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we've talked about this, too. But so there's a, apparently Disney wanted to do a whole series of Mary Poppins I didn't movies. know that. Um, she wouldn't sign off on anymore because she hated the original. Yes. Which Richard Sherman, um, for those of you who've probably heard us say this, we've we had the very huge delight of hearing Richard Sherman speak mm-hmm. um, on the Disney lot. Yeah. And he was saying, he sat next to her yeah. and he did regale that like she cried throughout the movie because she hated it so much and hated Dick Van Dyke. Yeah. She hated, well, she hated Dick Van Dyke. She hated the Shermans. Yeah. Um, whenever they did the musical of Mary Poppins, the Broadway version, mm-hmm. uh, Cameron McIntosh, who produced uh, Les Mis, Miss Saigon, a lot of like, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the Broadway musicals your cool aunt had in her car to steal that from Jake Um, Anthony. Oh, fair enough. However, I must be a really cool aunt because I have those in my car. Well, I mean, we don't have kids and all of our, all of our (laughs) friends with kids are surprised how good we are with them. But, um, but Cameron McIntosh approached her to do a Broadway version of Mary Poppins. She said, "Yes, nobody involved with the original one can be there. Can be involved in it. Uh, there are there are going to be no songs, um, and the Shermans are not allowed to have anything to do with it." Great, yeah, we'll do that. Then he waited till she died, and then renegotiated with because uh, and she even put that in her will. Hysterical. And he renegotiated with her estate, and they were just like, "Money, cool." And so so. That got the Broadway musical going, and that got talks going over the last like fifteen years uh, to do the sequel. You know, I don't know anything about the musical. I don't. On I don't either. It's to me, it's a stepping stone for the for the sequel. 
Okay. Um, I don't really know anything about it. I always assumed that they were using the same songs and everything. I don't know if they're using all the same songs, but I do know that the Shermans were even involved in it. Okay. Um, and in this movie, Richard Sherman was still listed as the music consultant. Yes, I mean, and I, I mean, I felt like it was still in the family. Um, again, the yeah. <laughs> so you know what I think of all of a sudden. What it's always sunny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <coughs> Moms are stupid. Doi. Uh, can we? Are we going to sing that? No, we're not. Okay. Uh, but um, uh, go you... find the episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia where they put on a children's beauty pageant. <laughs> Watch it. If nothing else, fast forward to you see D dressed in like a top hat and tails singing mm-hmm. a song with a little girl. Yeah, you'll understand what we're talking about. <laughs> it, if I wasn't so afraid of the Tipper Gore warning label, I would say let's just sing it. But uh, I also, honestly, at this point, I just don't want to go back and make changes to the page on the podcast. Yeah, right. We we keep it family friendly because we do want you people to listen to us in the car. Yeah. Uh, wow. I like. So I think overall, this it was a... We're obviously having a good experience because we're bringing in this rem- this movie reminded us of this world. Yeah, I think, and maybe I'm speaking for you here a little bit, but just listening to the way you're talking, I think I can with some authority. I think we feel after this movie the way that we hoped we would after Christopher Robin. I can see that. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah. I would say, for Christopher Robin, I I expected myself to be a blubbering mess. Yeah. I didn't expect that for this. Because Mary Poppins, uh, Mary Poppins, is heartwarming. Saving Mr. Banks, ugly cry. Mm -hmm. So I expected just to be warmed by this. And I knew, and uh, semi-spoiler, this has a happy ending. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it's going Guys, to. It's a Disney movie. It's, yeah, it's Disney. It's going to have a happy ending. I will say, and I mean, again, semi-spoiler, whenever she leaves at the end, and that's exactly what happens at the end of the first movie, mm-hmm. I was very sad to see her go, and I was very sad to see them say goodbye to her. Yes, and but also warmed from the first movie, too, that Mary Poppins only goes to help you help yourself. Right. And she empowers everyone to help themselves. Mm-hmm. And that's what she does. Yeah. And um, so it's also heartwarming because you know that they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Mary Poppins only comes when things really aren't okay. Um, so I would love to kind of dig into some more story points. So shall we go on a... A break so yeah. we can kind of delve in a little bit more. Yeah, we'll take an early-ish break for us and we'll come back and we'll talk about some more story points. Yeah, so that way we can possibly get into some spoiler territory and not ruin your go- movie-going experience yeah. if you haven't seen it yet. Of course, by this point, chances are if you're listening to this, you've seen it because we're getting to this one kind of late. Fair enough. Uh, that Real quick, that is one thing I wish we I wish we would have been able to see it earlier because I would have loved to have seen this with a the theater full of children. Oh, agreed. Yeah. Like with this time, I think it was only adults in the theater. Uh, you're believe- probably hearing Charlie bump up against my mic stand. Um, I think so. I mean, I heard some possible kids at the beginning, but I didn't see them. Yeah, I know the people directly in front of us looked looked like they were kids, or like, like no, they were like our age. 
I saw them in the lobby. Well, but there there were a couple of like uh, people like older than our parents in front of us too. Yes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that would have been the only other thing. But yeah, let's take a quick break and we'll be back talking more story points about Mary Poppins Returns. And I promise you, I promise you, gonna try and take the accent. <laughs> have you ever looked at all those Insta celebrities and been like, where do you get your raw jewelry because it's gorgeous? Or where did you get that female empowerment shirt because I need one? But then you think to yourself, I don't want to go shopping because it's too selfish. What if I could tell you you could get awesome apparel, awesome jewelry, and it gives back? You need to check out Rock's Jewelry Shop. That's right, Rock's. R-O-X. Rock's Jewelry Shop has amazing jewelry, and I just got a shirt that says, those females are strong as hell. Thank you, Kimmy Schmidt. You can check out Rock's Jewelry Shop online, and with code Date Night, you'll get 15% off. So head on over to Rock's, R-O-X, Jewelry Shop.com, code Date Night for 15% off. And welcome back. We are talking Mary Poppins Returns. And I'm keeping my promise. I am speaking in my normal voice. I made no such promises. Well, you're at least a little off the Sharon Osbourne accent. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm just kind of going willy-nilly, so. Yeah, I don't think either of us are really, like, going through through the uh, acting books on this one. No, I'm definitely not following all of my... uh, all of my, all of my training. Uh, sorry, everybody. Um, ooh, we have a second dog in the podcast cautiously coming down to the studio. <laughs> Very cautiously. Yeah. Um, so uh, we are re- we are on Mary Poppins returns, and I think it has made us so silly um, because we. I think we. Uh, one, I think we needed a movie win because uh, mm-hmm. I think. We saw Holmes and Watson, which was meh. And Man- I, I think you're being kind by calling it meh. meh. And then we then we saw Mandy, which blew our minds. I like my mind grapes are tired still from that movie. Yeah, but that was a good experience. It though. was a good experience. Just it, the fact that we were just like we what, uh, uh, we would be better at it, like if we were writing for a, a newspaper writing a review. So, I will say though, so uh, after we watched that, and I was doing all of my uh, IMDb and Wikipediaing on Mandy, um, I came across the review at RogerEbert.com, and obviously Roger Ebert isn't reviewing movies anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the person who was reviewing that gave it three and a half stars, and he started off by saying, "I don't know how to review this movie." Okay, then we're off the hook. Yeah. Um, uh, so I think we just, I, 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 it was so much fun to have joy, and um, I read a review on the way home that said this movie was, bas- it was like 50% remake, 50% some, like something sequel. else, sequel, 50% sequel, 50% remake, 100% moment of joy. Yeah. And um, I couldn't agree more. Uh, this was definitely, it had its remake moments. Mm-hmm. It was Definitely a sequel. I mean, I think that we can, I think that we as a culture should be at the point now where we stop, where we stop bashing on sequels for feeling like remakes because that's just, that's just where the zeitgeist is now. 
I genuinely think that everybody would be happier if we just accept that that's the way it is and move on, you know? Yeah, I can see that. But also, this is a movie that is 50 years removed from its original. Mm -hmm. This felt like, to me, as opposed to a a true sequel, which follows every couple of years, right? Mm -hmm. That's what we know about sequels. However, because like Crimes of Grindelwald was not a remake Mm -hmm. at all of Fantastic Beasts, for example. Right. It could have stood to be a little more of a remake of Fantastic Beasts. Perhaps. TBD, need to see the next movie. Right. This, however, felt to me like Star Wars, Mm -hmm. The Force Awakens. Mm -hmm. We, as an audience, needed those reminders and needed those wins as an audience. And I think producers have learned a really good lesson that if if you're that far removed from the original... You need to give some callbacks because otherwise it is, we yearn for it. We want to see it on the big screen. So Mm -hmm. I think producers, as opposed to it being part of the zeitgeist, I would say that it's actually a really smart move for sequels that have extended length in between them. Right, because even with Star Wars, technically there was, what, 32 years between uh, between Return of the Jedi and the sequel, even though there have been other Star Wars movies between them. But as far as a sequel goes, right. this, these are true sequels. Mm-hmm. And I think more importantly, you know, producers have now learned what it what it. A true failure will do to fans. Right. And it, I, I don't blame them for playing it safe. No, especially with a movie like this, because... Which no is, b- how do you take a risk? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, <coughs> with a movie like the original Mary Poppins, you're not watching that necessarily to be intellectually challenged. You're watching that to be emotionally reaffirmed. Yeah. And that doesn't take... That doesn't take an insane amount of intellectualism to do that. So with the sequel, you want something that's still going to emotionally reaffirm people. And I think that to do that, it's like, just don't overthink it. And they even have a line like that in the movie where, you know, they're like, what's wrong with father? She says, some people just think too much. Yeah. And I think that that's the approach they took with this movie. And I think it was good. Now, since we're kind of in spoiler territory here, can I talk about the scene that wasn't crazy about? Well, Yes, I was going to suggest, oh, why don't we say our favorite number first? Okay, um, you go first if you don't mind. I think my favorite number was with all the lamp post lighting fillers. That one was really good. I really liked it. It reminded me of Step in Time. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely the Step in Time of this movie. It was the Step in Time of this movie, and I thought the choreography was just lovely, Um I, I just, I really had such a good time. Um, I just had a really good time in it. And so that, I think, was was my favorite. Um, the Imagine This was also very, very fun. I know, because you mentioned that already. Well, that was actually what I was going to say was mine. Oh, is it your favorite? Yeah, I like the song, and I like the fact that it set it up as the theme for the movie. Um, I thought Emily Blunt was just lovely in that scene. Um, oh, yeah. I also I also liked the visuals of it. Now, st- to start off, when they first... Because basically, they go into the bathtub, and then they just kind of keep going. And then like they end up in the, like this underwater area. Um, the CGI in it looked pretty bad. 
But once you once you accepted that's where you were, it actually looked like. Well, quite I disagree lovely. with you about the CGI being bad. That was the choice. Mm-hmm. That was the design element choice. So I actually don't think it's fair that you say that it was bad. Well, no, it, it's only in one in the very beginning of it. Once they get to the point where they're like where they're like you know swimming around and singing and looking at all the things that were under there, I was fine with that. It's whenever they first went in like went into the undersea kingdom or whatever that that's where I was like, oh, this doesn't mm-hmm. look great. I guess so. Um, I am looking through here because you mentioned, you mentioned the lamplighter scene. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to figure out if that was Bruno Mars. I, I don't know. So there, there's one lamplighter in here who gets a solo long Lin-Manuel Miranda and he pops up a couple other times. Uh, and I am fairly certain that it was Bruno Mars. I didn't catch it in the credits. So that's what I'm looking up I right also now. forgot to look while we were watching the credits. It's not listed in his IMDb. So it was not him. Yeah, but I can't find who it was. Um, I don't know, but he was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, and to quote Jordan, I'm so glad BMX bikers have uh, have have stayed relevant. <laughs> yeah, they they definitely have some very obvious BMX biker plants in this movie I, too. But I dug it. I thought it was. I'm, I'm game for it. That sounds cynical, but it's not. Yeah, you know? and I also there's a, a callback in that scene where they're like Mary Poppins, get in here, mm-hmm. and she does, and they have a very kind of like Mary Poppins um, choreography. Yeah, I thought the choreography for this movie was just great. So you know what's crazy? What Rob Marshall directed, wrote, produced, and choreographed this movie. That's crazy. Now I will to give it some credit where credit is due. Mm-hmm. There was like. He, it was choreographed, it was him and someone else. Right, he didn't do it all by himself. And then there was an assistant, there was like two assistant choreographers. So there was like, there was a big choreography team to give credit where credit is due. Oh, absolutely. However, well, he, if he's listed as the lead choreographer, that means he had the thought and the threshold for well, this. I, which is, I look is at crazy. it kind of like whenever you've directed a movie, even though there have been movies that you've directed where somebody else was like the stunt coordinator on, you know, me being on set watching you do things, you've, you're still basically acting as stunt choreographer, stunt coordinator. Um, I can't help it. Right. But what I'm saying is that like, yeah, you have other people who are there helping you accomplish that and you always give credit where credit is due and most of the time you're even uncredit yourself as the stunt coordinator. Well, but like for Chachi Total and I wasn't. Right, but you were also really hands on with that. So what I what I'm saying is that like yeah, there were there's a there's always a team of people who makes that happen. But you know, it would have been easy for him to just be like, eh, yeah, I want it to look like this, and then somebody bring it back. Yeah, yeah. No, that means he totally had a hand in what that was. What that Mm -hmm. was, and I think I thought I thought it was stunning. Yeah. All right, now you can talk about what you don't like. The Mary Poppins burlesque show. Yeah. Um, so they go into a painting on a bowl where mm. uh, they have Mark Addy as the horse and Chris O'Dowd as the uh, as the Irish setter. I loved them. I, I know it was it was great. Uh, and then they go into like the music hall, uh, and they get Mary Poppins on stage, and she starts off on the song, and she goes behind like one of those like three paneled like changing changing things mm-hmm. and like you she's almost, actually behind a book right but it, it's direct it's decorated as a book but it is a three panel cha- changing screen yes uh and you can only see her from the neck up and then she like takes the cane that's on there off of it and then like 
I, I was wondering where is this thing going? But then instead of her like going down and coming back up, she's changed. They lift it up, and she's already changed behind. She looks there. like Catherine Zeta-Jones in Chicago. Well, and that's exactly where I'm going. A Mary Poppins is showing a lot of leg for a Mary Poppins movie. Uh, she's singing with a Cockney accent, which is just really weird to me. But it's it's like, oh yeah, this is Rob Marshall because it is nine, it is Chicago, and it is one of those scenes. You know, it is a filmed Broadway scene, basically. Yes. And like, it was good, don't get me wrong, and of course Emily Blunt is great in it, but it was weird being like, all right, sexy Mary Poppins, let's see where this goes. Yeah, there was quite a few hip thrusts. You know, like total hip thrusts, like, you know, look at my crotch, you yeah. know? Like, it, it was very much like Catherine Zeta-Jones in Chicago. And you are never going to hear me complain about Catherine Zeta-Jones in Chicago. It's just weird because I kind of thought that we, like, stumbled into deviant art a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we were getting into, like, Mary Poppins fantasies. And, like, okay, oh, I'll... Now I'll, that you put it that way... I'll, I'll get into it, but you have to oh, know that I still find no. it weird. You put it that way. No, but the whole time I kept waiting for it to go there because it's like that's almost what they were building up to. If it were just the changing thing and then they moved on, it would have been fun. Yeah. If they hadn't had her singing Cockney because that was already bringing me out of the character itself, it didn't feel like it was Mary Poppins. But then she comes out and she's wearing the you know petticoat that is not leaving too terribly much to the imagination, especially for 1935 England. Yeah. Uh, and she's got like the fishnet stockings on. And the hip thrust, and it kept building it up. I'm like, okay, where else is it going from here? And then yeah. it leads into, uh, they, they're like, well, we have Lin-Manuel Miranda here. Let's have him rap. They have a, t- well, it's not, and it's a Hamilton moment. Yeah. It's very specifically a Hamilton moment. However, one thing I will say about the Hamilton moment, I'm, I've been listening to that, that soundtrack, mm-hmm. and I'm over it right now. Yeah. But then I thought to myself, because I literally, he went into it and I was like, oh my gosh, it's a four, it's like a four, four beat. I, blah, I didn't, I didn't want the four, four beat because it's not a true rap. Right. No, it, it's not like, it's not like straight up Hamilton rap and they don't go into hip hop backing track on it, but it's, no. it's very, it's more just incredibly fast spoken word, which I guess you could call in a musical moment, a rap. Sure. But I, what, what I will say about it, because I wasn't thrilled about it. In 15 years, the, when this as this movie grows, because it's going to grow right. with the original, mm-hmm. that is going to be fun later. Yeah. I think this movie needs time to settle on us and for us to learn it. Totally. Um, and I'm not, I'm saying all this to say, not to say that like it was a bad moment in the movie. Um, and Lin-Manuel Miranda is obviously very good at what he does. I yes. mean, yes. incredibly good at what he does. But it felt very trendy to me. Yes, and that's why I say I think this movie, that moment really needs time. Mm-hmm. Because it is right now, it's trendy. Yeah. And as opposed to, a, it felt more trendy than a design choice. And right. I'm hoping that with time, it will settle into that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see that. And again, it's not like the scene was poorly done or anything, but it, you know, I was immediately like, okay, here's the Rob Marshall moment. To- oh, and, totally. I and, can see that. And then just sexy Mary Poppins, that's not something that I thought I would ever admit to somebody I'd thought about before. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I yeah, I can totally see that. That was not my least favorite though. What was your least favorite? Um, I I agree with you that it was like, wait, wait whoa, 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 what's happening? But me coming from a musical theater background, had a lot of fun with it. If, if um, Mary Poppins took the kids to a burlesque burlesque show, it would have been more. I would have been more on board with that than her getting up and performing in it, basically, just because that whole scene, nothing about that felt Mary Poppins to me. I I agree with you. Mm-hmm. I agree with you. I like the number. My least favorite was, again, remember everyone, we're in spoiler territory, was Dick Van Dyke. Right. And I was kind of surprised to hear you say that. Um, I believe... He's amazing. The fact that he even got up on the desk and danced at all at a thousand years old is incredible to me. Can I mention something about that? Sure. So uh, Rob Marshall gave him four options on the dance that he could do. Okay. And Dick Van Dyke chose to do the hardest one and chose to do it by himself. So that was all him. I think it was a poor choice. Yeah? Yes. Because, because, um, I think Maddie's stuck in some wires. Mm-hmm. She'll, she'll be fine. Um... <laughs> The reason is they didn't sync the sound to his feet. They added steps, um, and it made him look older in not a good way. I didn't notice that. And it, yes, they added they added extra taps to his soft shoe, mm-hmm. and it made it look it made him look bad. And All right, I think that's the thing. If they would have treated it more like a soft shoe than than a tap. I think I would have probably maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Now that you say that, I can hear, I can see that, you know. And then um, I just felt like it was like this, like this moment, and he's the solution of the whole movie. He literally is the solution for the whole movie, and it's over in a flash, and it has no recourse. He comes as if from nowhere. Mm-hmm. He's oh well, he says I've been crazy, but and he comes from nowhere. He's not even like the bat like. You know, like the dad and widows who's like there in the background. He's uh-huh. not even, they don't even make him seem like he's pushing him in a closet or, you know, th- he comes literally from nowhere. Right. Which I had no fun with. And then it ends in this really wonderful way. And then they don't give me my Feed the Birds melody. Yeah. Which literally saves the day. Because mm-hmm. Michael saves himself in a way. Yeah, and it just all of that it was literally came from nowhere lifted and it was like uh what and so the whole scene just wasn't satisfying so to me. that was a weird moment and here's the reason why <clears throat> so basically the plot the basic plot of this movie is that Michael Banks is older now with kids and his wife has passed away and he's struggling to keep everything together and he's about to lose his house to the bank and the bank gives him till Friday to come up with the money, essentially. Yeah, well, he took a loan out to handle hard times and, I think, yeah, handle he, bills. I don't think it was... No, he, he took out he took out the loan, he said, to help while his wife was dying, basically. Yes, and they the house was the collateral. Right. So, um, so the way that it ends up is that, you know, he realizes that uh, George Banks had left them shares in the bank, and they're trying to find that to... Uh, to give that to the bank in return for the house. Now, uh, long story short, uh, they finally get the shares there and it's about to not work and that's where Dick Van Dyke comes in and he's playing he's playing Mr. Dawes Jr., who was played by a different character in the original movie. Correct. Um, his father was the one who died laughing at the end of the movie, which is always a weird ending for Yeah, me. I just don't think about it too hard. Yeah, but um, 
But he comes and basically he says, hold on to your bank shares. You don't need them. Because when you were a child, uh, you wanted a tuppence to feed the birds. And instead, you gave it to your father and he gave it to us. After some careful investing, you have enough money from that one tuppence to uh, pay off your loan. Right. Uh, Which is a great way to end this movie. What's weird about that, though, is that that's portrayed as a traumatic moment in the original movie. Yeah. Because he wants to feed the birds, and his fa- like basically they steal that tuppence from him, and that's what causes the kids to yeah. run away. Oh my god! If you see Saving Mr. Banks, mm-hmm. that moment in Saving Mr. Banks too, yeah, like they've made it. They, that is that moment in the history of these movies is traumatic. Yeah. So, what makes that weird is that it's like, oh well, they were right to steal your child's money all along. And it's like, yes, from a fiscal responsibility standpoint, yes, that is the right decision. Well, But in just in terms of the story of these movies, and we're about to get some rowdy dogs here, just yes. giving you a heads up. Um, one, my argument against that, though, it's very possible that Mr. Banks stole it and was a traumatic moment, and he maybe had a, you know, a, 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 a moment where he renounced that. Mm-hmm. I disagree with you on the sentiment that it's okay to steal your child's money <laughs> that they wanted to give to charity and put it in the bank. I I don't, one, don't do that. But two, <laughs> um, I disagree with the sentiment of it. It was a really traumatic moment. But also, as an audience, we have been taught to forgive Mr. Banks. Mm-hmm. Mary Poppins teaches us that we can change. So for what it's worth... I do disagree with with that, but I really do agree with you in the sense that I that was a really big moment in this movie, right? Like mm-hmm. everything's gonna be okay in such a magical way, and it didn't have weight to it. Yeah, and uh, and it and again, I think um, if we had a chim chimchurri moment mm-hmm. of Mr. Banks walking glumly through the streets. Um, I feel like that we needed that music and we didn't, that wasn't developed in this movie. Also, if they were going to bring Dick Van Dyke back, I'm disappointed that he didn't have his own balloon at the end of the movie. I agree. Well, I think we, I understand they wanted it to be like, oh my goodness, look who it is. Which, I mean, his name is on the poster, so it's not like it was that big of a surprise. Touche. But then they, they needed him more. Yeah. Um, and I'm, yeah. I understand the, the difficulty with doing that and why they probably couldn't, mm-hmm. but then maybe it wasn't the right role. Yeah. Not to say he shouldn't have been in the movie. He was a delight in what he did. I just think it did a disservice. And in general, too, the stakes of this movie didn't feel like, oh, no. Like I never doubted they were not going to lose the house. Granted, I did call the twist. You, yeah, you called the twist pretty early. And honestly, I thought... So the twist of this movie is that uh, Michael Banks is an artist and he would draw pictures and give it to his kids just on the back of whatever scrap of paper he could find. Uh, so um, the youngest kid, Georgie, takes one of his drawings and uses that to patch up the kite that's from the original movie. Which is great story point. Yeah, but uh, then they find out that, that that was drawn on the back of the... Um, of the bank shares. Uh, but earlier in the movie, they do that to illustrate that he does that. And then Michael gives him, like, draws him a 10 pound bill. Uh, and I thought from the very beginning, that's going to be, uh, that was the shares right there. Oh, did you? <clears throat> yeah. Um, you know, and again, it's like we've talked about with kids' movies. They don't need to have, like, 
a super clever twist. Oh, heck no. Yeah, so... The fact that I saw the minute that he started patching it and that it was a double-sided piece of paper, I was like, oh, of course, because yeah. the kite is the answer, right? Right. Let's go fly a kite. That The kite was the answer in the first movie, yeah. Yes. So, um... So I have no qualms with that whatsoever, and I love all of that, and I love a lot of the choices, but I never felt the fear. Gosh, you remember, and maybe this is also colored a little bit by Saving Mr. Banks and knowing why P.L. Travers wrote these books, uh-huh. um, what, we, what we understand that she wrote those books, um, is the first movie, He's Mr. Banks is really mean. Yeah. He's so mean. And like those kids cry because their father is mean to them. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the whole crux of saving Mr. Banks is please don't make him so awful. Yeah. Why does he have to be so awful? So they write, let's go fly a kite. And this movie never has something awful. And not that we need it. But I never felt like, oh no. Yeah. Oh no, please. Please. I never felt yearning of, please fix it. Please fix it. And I I did miss that. What I will say is that I thought they did a good job of showing that Michael had actually learned from the original movie and like he was very true. Actively trying to be a better dad than his dad was. He was a lovely dad. Yeah, he he kept screwing up, but he... But I wouldn't even call him screwing up. The kids did cause quite the ruckus in the bank and almost lost him his job. So that he did respond in a way that a parent probably should should respond. Right. He also responds in the way when they when they respond with their honesty. Yeah. Of why they didn't lie to him. Mm -hmm. So that was a beautiful moment, but I never felt and maybe that is it. Maybe it is we need to learn. Maybe maybe that was it. We needed to learn from Mary Poppins. And maybe, and maybe it is about we should learn from our parents and so, be better ourselves. So did you feel that about in, at the end of, near the end of the second act and right around the third act that they kind of sidelined Mary Poppins a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, I did miss that. And I realized that that's probably the point. But I I did miss Emily Blunt every time she wasn't on screen. I agree. Yeah. I agree. I'm... Ah, uh, wow. I really want to watch these back-to-back now. I know. I Because I, I, I didn't... I, I never doubted. And, and in a way, too, you know that she's going to succeed in the first movie, too. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't know. This is, I, I, I'm having, like, this heart tug-of-war right now. So... Well then, let's talk. Let's talk, uh, get us back to more of an objective standpoint. Then I suppose. Yeah. Um, so you were overall pretty happy with Emily Blunt as Mary Poppins. Yeah, and I know at one point you mentioned she doesn't have quite the range uh, of she, Julie Andrews. Her vocal range is a lot lower. Yeah, and as as a fellow alto, mm-hmm. uh, I really I thought it was beautiful. I'm also insanely grateful that they didn't pull an Emma Watson with her and put it in a range that she couldn't rock it. Right. No, I, I that's the thing. They definitely they definitely set her up for success. And I thought she was great. I, me saying that she wasn't like, you know, a mezzo-soprano, uh, su- right. and super Julie, high. And Julie Andrews is literally a bird, and her voice is unreal. Yeah. Julie, like, Julie Andrews is genuinely one of a kind. Yes. Also, Julie Andrews was drunk. That's true. She she was drunk and she just had a baby. 
Oh my god. I mean, it was the 60s. Oh, no, that's, it's, like, no, no. Yeah. Not, there's no judgment, I, sir. I, I was joking. Um, <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. No, um, uh, I'll go back to that in a second. But no, me saying that, you know, pointing out that Emily Blunt can't sing as high as Julie Andrews isn't a bad thing at all. Uh, I loved her voice in that range. I thought it was just lovely. Yeah. Um, so interesting uh, little bits of IMDb being I found. I've already okay. told you about Dick Van Dyke. Uh, Dick Van Dyke is the um, is the is the oldest male to ever be in a Disney movie. Oh wow! Or a live action Disney movie, I okay. guess. Uh, the oldest female is two months older than him. Do you know who that is? Angela Lansbury. Angela Lansbury, who is shows up in this movie as the balloon lady, who's just lovely. Oh, just lovely. Now, and you know, I wondered for I was like, why was Angela Lansbury in this? And I kind of forgot that Bedknobs and Broomsticks well, is only, kind of part of this world, well, I guess. Not only that, so that was supposed to be to Julie Andrews. I assumed as much. But Julie Andrews was so on board with Emily Blunt that she said, I don't want to distract from this. This is her moment. Oh, oh. Right? Oh, so Julie, wow. Julie Andrews turned that down because she wanted Emily Blunt to not be overshadowed. Wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> you hit me really hard. Right? <laughs> wow. Uh, but Angela Lansbury was also in the running to play the original Mary Poppins. Oh really? Yeah. Now Julie Andrews was pregnant when they when Walt Disney first offered it to her, um, and he wanted her so bad that he was like, "Okay, fine, let's push the movie back a year." Wow. Uh, same thing happened with uh, Emily Blunt in this movie. She was pregnant when they offered it to her, and she turned it down because she was pregnant. And Disney said, "That's okay, we're gonna wait." Wow. Yeah. Wow. That was meant to be. Yeah. Um, let's see another. She also just. Looked, they look alike. Yeah, like there was never in my mind that this was Mary Poppins. I kept looking for it to be Emily Blunt, and I kept having a hard time pointing it out as Emily Blunt. Now, and she definitely had her little spin on it. Yes, she did. She had, was a little bit more sassy uh-huh. than the original. Yeah, but it's also 2019, so which is I'm proud of myself. I remembered it's 2019 right That's now. That's right. Um. But this movie was made in seventeen and eighteen, so the, the it, I I like that she was still her. Yeah, it still was Emily Blunt playing this character at, at a different time. Mm-hmm. So, but regardless, I uh, I just thought she was lovely. So another couple of IMDb things in here. Mm-hmm. They actually had to put old age makeup on Dick Van Dyke. No way. Yeah. How funny. Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, he he showed up to play. You know. Absolutely. Again, I just wish they had... I think Dick Van Dyke could have landed it. I think mm-hmm. it was a disservice in the script. If Dick Van Dyke was going to be here, and they mentioned very early on whenever Mary Poppins first gets there, and Lin-Manuel Miranda, who's Jack, uh, was apparently hit, uh, Dick Van Dyke's apprentice in the original movie. Yeah. Um, and she asked, how's Bert? And he says, somewhere on the other side of the world, like he's traveling. If they were going to have Dick Van Dyke, I would have been happier if they would have had old Bert, you know? I agree. And, and I like, would, that, that uh, yeah. would have been expected, and that would have probably been something that would have, you know, the naysayers of this movie would have pointed out. I mean, haters and, gonna hate. And my response would have been, who cares? Who cares? Especially, seeing what he did do, he could have done an old Bert scene. Yeah. Especially if they played off the comedy that he's old. Yeah. I, I, I also think that he, maybe he was, uh, 
And I, this is speculation on my part, but maybe he was nervous about doing the Cockney accent again because he's gone on and said, I know that my Cockney accent is the worst Cockney accent in history. <laughs> yeah, but we wouldn't know Mary Poppins without it. Right. Um, uh, some other IMDb things that I found. Uh, you know, uh, oh, big one. So whenever they go into the bowl, it's animated. And it's mm-hmm. animated the same way that the original was animated. Apparently, oh. Disney heads wanted it to be CGI. And Rob Marshall apparently flipped out. Yeah, absolutely. And he was like, we are doing it this way because that's what these movies are. Oh, absolutely. It would have been totally wrong. Mm-hmm. Good on him. Yeah. Um, I will say the sound design of the bowl mm-hmm. was my favorite favorite that was pretty cool them walking on the ceramic Mm -hmm. was stunning sound design and it was um and and foley Mm -hmm. it uh, was great yeah Um, and that was very clearly foleyed because it had each footstep was unique right uh it was really beautifully done yeah, no, I, I I loved it, and the technical aspects of this movie were just fantastic. Agreed. Um, like like you said, the uh, the lamp lighter scene well, that was kind of the step in time of this movie. Uh, it was beautifully choreographed. Um, even though I kind of dogged on Lin Manuel Miranda a little bit, I do want to say that whenever I thought he was great, I thought he was great. I agreed. I I, 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 like, I liked him and Emily Mortimer together as well. Madison is jumping up into Jessica's lap right now, so if you hear, that's that. I'm getting dog kisses. Come on. I'm going to help Jessica move her mic stand. Okay, thank you. Got the creature. Okay, great. We're going to, I have Madison here. She's going to very possibly burp it in the mic and tell you what she feels about Mary Poppins. Right. Um, um, because a nine-year-old dog definitely knows all about Mary Poppins. So, so we record this in my studio, and uh, normally when you're recording a podcast, you typically have broadcast uh, mic arms, which attach to a table, so that way it helps reduce vibrations and stuff like that. I don't have room in my studio for a dedicated table, so we just have them set on mic stands, and since we let our dogs come down here... Who knows what's going to happen, yeah. you know? I mean, this this we've made this podcast informal because this is how we talk as a family. Yeah. I mean, um, if uh, you know, if Geek and Sundry ever wants to pay us to go do a weekly podcast, I mean, we'll do it. Yeah. But. I will say exciting news in the date night of the movie's household is we are expanding the studio. Yes, we are. Um, and that's going to start very soon. So yeah, uh, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. We're repurposing one of our guest rooms as the studio in the meantime. Yes. And the studio is going to gain what, how many square feet you think? I'm not sure. We're basically right now we have the studio in half of a finished basement and then the other half we're going to finish out, and we're going to leave a little bit of a wall in there. Yes, and what else is going in there? We are doing a dedicated vocal booth in there. Yes, so th- we're going to sound better eventually. Yeah. But you're going to you're gonna miss you're gonna miss the adventure. I do have a pibble mm-hmm. in my laugh right now. In fact, I'm going to take a picture of said pibble. It's pibble. So that way Jessica can add it on to social media later. <laughs> so, um... I, you know, I, I don't know, I feel like we're going to start talking in circles here shortly, and I think just overall, we enjoyed this movie. We did. And I think that this movie, I don't see it as the classic the original was, 
but I really do see a lot of young people loving this movie. I think this one has staying power at the very least. I think it has staying power and I think it's going to be really fun in the future to watch these back to back. I do too. And I really hope when they release this movie that Disney opens the vault. Yeah. I, I uh, Well, Disney has kind of stopped doing like as clamped down of a vault as they used to. Yeah, but it's really, really hard to find them. Well, what they do now is that, like they're easier to find. We also just like basically we would go to Amoeba Music in L.A. to buy movies. Uh, here, we just don't go to Best Buy that often, you know. But um, what Disney does now is they have them more readily available, but you're still paying like forty bucks for the DVD. It's just so silly. Yeah. But- one, one I would night, love it if they did a co-release of this. Yeah, one night we should do a trilogy of uh, Mary Poppins, Mary Poppins Returns, and Saving Mr. Banks. Oh, mercy. I will be a puddle of nothingness afterwards. I mean, we'll record it the next day. <laughs> I'll be a puddle of nothingness. I will be a sorry sap sob. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I think you're right. We're kind of going to start talking in circles. Uh, overall... Overall, I really liked this movie. I thought the music was good. It was done by, uh, I can't remember who was the co-lyricist on it, but you know the songs and the score was done by uh, Mark Shaman, mm-hmm. who, he's great, uh, and he's a great musical writer, too. Uh, like, I can't, I want to say he was Streisand's accompanist. Okay. Um, I could be wrong on that. But he also wrote the music uh, for, like, the South Park movie. Which oh, the wow. the songs in that for being as crude and vulgar as they are, like the the songs and the structure are borderline Disney level, you know. Yeah. Um, and he, you know he's done a lot of great a lot of great scores. Uh, you know he works with uh, Rob Reiner a lot, so he's done he did. Uh, I mean he didn't do like Princess Bride, but he did like a few Good Men and American President things yeah. like that. Um, you know what we do need to talk about? What's that? And I feel silly. You said you said Barbara, mm-hmm. and it made me think of Meryl. Yeah, Meryl Streep is in this movie, which makes sense because it's Rob Marshall and she just did uh, Into the Woods with him. Yep. Yeah. Um, she was great. I think she was doing her Sophie's Choice accent. I Maybe. But like a cartoony version of it? I thought it was funny when he goes, where are you supposed to be from? She's like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and I, um, I thought it was very silly. Man... I will say I loved her choreography. It was crazy. Now, in that scene, though, so basically her scene, they, like, her house gets flipped upside down. She just has to put up with it till the next day. And Mary Poppins helps her see things from a different angle. Which I love. Yeah. And as someone who does handstands every single day Mm -hmm. uh, and does a lot of inversions, and a lot of times it's to see the world in a different light, so I do appreciate that. The wire work in this whole movie is great. Yeah. There's... It was had to have been. It was one hundred percent shot on a soundstage, because there's so much wire work in this movie, yeah. and the dancers are like circ acrobats. It's insane. But I will say, um, the bowl, the bowl never gets fixed in this movie. Right. So now, before we get there, you actually interrupted me, like, like, kind of mid thought. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, that's okay. Um. So th- that scene does something. That musicals do that do kind of drive me up the wall though. What's that? Where they do the song and they end the song right here and they all lay back. It's like ah. <laughs> it it just it just gets me. I can't handle it. And I like the only time where I ever see that and I laugh at it is in the South Park movie and they're doing that making fun of that trope in musicals. 
So I will say that it did that, and that was the only part in, my mo- in the movie where I just rolled my eyes. Because again, <laughs> like there's this subconscious part of me that was on board for Sexy Mary Poppins, but that was the scene, that was the <laughs> shot that got me. Well, for a, uh, when I was thinking about like my favorite moments and least favorite moments, I really wasn't sure how I felt about this scene, really and truly. But it was really fun. Uh, the the Meryl Streep scene. Yeah, I thought yeah. it was fun. It was. It, it's just a good like vignette in the in the exactly. movie. Exactly. But now I think about it, I'm like that stupid bull. What about the bull? Like it would never. We never get to see the bull fixed. Right. And that disappoints me. Well, and I think, I think in a way they were illustrating the point of what the bull was with that, is that the kids had put all of this. Uh, they weight. put all this importance and weight, yeah, uh, onto the bowl. And then it turns out that whenever the mo- whenever their mother told them it was priceless, it was more of a sentimental thing. It wasn't actually worth any money. Right. And so I think with them, it's like, well, you're getting it back. Don't worry. She's going to fix it. But like at that point, from a story standpoint, the bowl is done. Because that's yeah. just another part of them growing up that they have to understand. And I think that prepared them for being able to say goodbye to the house. Yeah. Um, so that's my well, justification I do, for it. I, I did think the exact same thing that you did, though. But I do appreciate it because stuff is just stuff. And I actually got... So watching this movie, uh, for those of you who know Jordan and I personally, our uh, families have moved a lot and there's a lot of stuff involved. And recently I have repeated more than my share amount of times to say stuff, it's just stuff. Mm-hmm. And the amount of stuff in these houses is insane. <laughs> it's insane. It's insane. So um, I am glad that part of the lesson is that it's just stuff. Yeah. Because I was thinking about a lot of our personal life right now and the idea of romanticizing things. Like we romanticize living in specific places. We romanticize opening an old box and finding your wife's pearls. We Mm -hmm. romanticize finding these moments. We use them in movies as storytelling blocks, but in life, only a few, we only need to hold on to very few things because we can't take it with us. Mm -hmm. And I'm really glad that you said that because I'm glad that movie did say that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, that, I'm glad. and especially because you know a kids' movie does have to have a moral and a lesson, and I'm glad that that was one of the lessons on there. Yeah, and Mary Poppins is so full of lessons, and I think, I, uh, oh gosh, I'm now that you said that, I'm suddenly wondering what what other lessons did I not catch this first go around? I don't know, but I do think this movie warrants a second go around. I agree. Overall, you would recommend this movie? I would say get on over there now. If you're a sorry sport cynic. Who doesn't like velvety hippos in your lap? <laughs> Don't go see this movie. Now, I tend to be a cynic, but I do love me a good velvety hippo in my lap. So, so... no, like, you know, and I've even, we've even had some feedback from people uh, saying that, you know, especially like on the kids' movies, that we might be overanalyzing them or be overly critical on it. And that's true. That's just who we are. Yes. But, like, I, more so than Jessica, I am very much a cynic. Uh, so, I say I tell I open that part of my soul to you, dear <laughs> listeners, to let you know that if I can get on board with this movie from like frame one, anybody should be able to. And you know we have had people who didn't like it, and I w- like I would like to know more about what Daniel thought about it, why he didn't like it. Yeah. Um. But uh. But 
overall, I think this is a very easy movie to watch, and it's a very easy movie to get into. And if you are willing to surrender yourself to whimsy, I don't think that you'll be disappointed. Right. If you are expecting Mary Poppins to come rescue an American family, because that is her trope, that is her job, Mm. and you think it's going to be a different storyline because that's what you think it should be, you won't enjoy this movie. Yeah. But if you are along for the ride for the 50% remake, 50% sequel, and you're okay with letting yourself let go, and it's not Julie Andrews. Mm-hmm. It's not Dick Van Dyke. These are new songs. It's new. It's a different story. Yeah. And I love, Jordan, that you brought that maybe Michael did learn from his dad. Yeah. And... Well, thanks. I think, and I do think this movie, this movie did need a, another grounding moment. Uh-huh. Um... There was one, but I think it needed another musical moment where it was more grounding. But um, but I would say go see this movie, especially if you're needing just a little teaspoon of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 think it, I think it is full of that. And it really just makes me want to go watch all my sappy movies right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can't really add much more to it. This is, this is one of the moments where I would say that the movie would have been for me better if there was that little moment of melancholy in there. Yeah. Uh, but it's okay without that. I think I'm, I'm at a solid four on this movie, and I think it's going to stay that way. Yeah. I can see myself going down to a four. Yeah. Um, I don't see it going for either of us going down much lower. No, and I... And I also think it helps, too, that we have come to really love this story. Yeah. Um, Not just Mary Poppins Returns, but the idea of Mary Poppins a great deal. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think that we over-majesty it, but I think we've come to love this story, especially if you learn more about P.L. Travers Mm -hmm. and the love-hate relationship of this and the kookiness that they did Mary Poppins Returns and kind of over her dead body um, is so fascinating to me. Yeah. And knowing all of this makes me feel like I know, like I know this world. Right. Even more. So I was just so ever pleased to revisit it. Absolutely. All right. Well, I think that we can probably call it a night for that. Uh, This is actually one of our shorter episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, we had to make up from the last one. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> We're saving your sweet ears. Hey, but we we didn't hit two and a half hours on our 2018 recap. That's yeah. impressive. Killing it. Um, and thank you so much for following us and following us into the new year. Hopefully, uh, you will catch Disney's Mary Poppins Returns, starring Emily Blunt and Lin Manuel Miranda. Hopefully, you'll see all of this. This movie is so chock full of talent. Um, so hopefully you're listening to this part of the podcast because you've seen this movie and you agree. If you don't agree with us, jump onto Facebook. Um, that's tends to where be where our discussion boards are, and let us know what you thought. Um, and one, if you loved it and why you loved it, let us know your favorite um, uh, song. Yeah. Let us know your favorite number. Uh, we would love to hear from you. But also, if you didn't like it, I really want to know why. Yeah, yeah, because. I could I can understand I could understand somebody not liking this movie, but I don't understand the reasons why. So if you didn't like it, I actually do want to hear just so I can clarify, get my own clarification. Yeah, on it. because I wasn't to me reading some of the bad reviews of this movie mainly came from people being like, "I thought it should be this way." It's it's the Star Wars effect, right? And you're like, "Well, it's not going to be that way." Yeah. Um, with that being said. Um, I have a very velvety land hippo 
and couch potato in my lap. And mm-hmm. I think we should all kind of go snuggle it out. I think so, too. Um, so that being said, I'm Jess. I'm Jordan. And thanks for joining us at Date Night at the Movies. We'll see you soon. Bye.